Welcome to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. Discovering in Christ to love the life we live and learning how to live a life of love. Well, welcome back to the Vital Life Connection. I am your host, Oren Rudolph, and I'm excited to continue the whole process of looking at the 10 principles that I pulled out of Chad Burnett's amazing interview that we did a few days ago. Once again, if you haven't listened to that interview series, please go back and listen. I know that you're going to be blessed and you're going to really enjoy it. By the way, I've just been having such a fun day today. I got to interview two new people and there's going to be some exciting stuff happening on the DLC in the future. I've got so many great interviews lined up and I interviewed two new interviews today and tomorrow I'll have interview another person. So I've been busy looking for stories, stories that can impact your life, change your life and make you realize that you're not alone, that you are not facing whatever issues you are facing right now, whatever problems, whatever mountains, whatever valleys that you're in, you're not alone. There are others that are also facing similar issues, similar things. And as you listen to them, you're going to realize that there are ways through your valleys, ways over your mountains that maybe you've not even thought about. Maybe, you know, it's so hard, I realize, that when you're in that valley to really be able to see for yourself. And it's so good when we can hear others who've been where we've been. Maybe a little different circumstance or some of them, like the gentleman that I interviewed today, He's still in the middle of his story. He's not at the end. And all of us, our stories are like that, aren't they? So once again, it's so good to be with you. I hope that you guys have had a wonderful week so far. And let's get straight into this podcast. Let's go to principle number six on the Chad Burnett interview. And principle number six was, God will always provide a picture of hope when we are in our valleys. If we can see a pinprick of light in our darkness, focus on it, not in the darkness. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a dark room and it's pitch black. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. And then maybe as your eyes adjust, you start realizing, hey, there's a little bit of a light coming maybe from under a door, through a keyhole. And suddenly that light becomes your focus And you can navigate your way, even with the smallest of light, you can navigate your way through that pitch darkness. God provides the light. God wants to plant the seed of hope in our valleys for us to cling to. He didn't take us into the valley. We walked into the valley. But he's not going to desert us in the valley. And so God wants to, right at the beginning of our journeys, whatever valleys you're in, whatever issues that you're facing, whatever struggles that you are going through. God wants to provide that pinprick of light like he did with Chad. Chad's pinprick was simply what the doctor said. And the doctor said, we can, we can, we can fight this. We can get over this. And everything was dark around Chad, but those few words gave him some hope. Hope can start as, as small as a little pinprick of light. One of the things that Chad said was hopelessness will kill you faster than anything else. And that is so true. In Proverbs, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that is so true. 
hopelessness creates a sickness. It creates a depression. It it'll it sucks energy. It takes away strength. It takes away the will to fight. That's why God wants to give us hope in whatever situation you find yourself in. Look for that hope. God's going to put it there. Sometimes we have to look for a little bit. I remember the story of Abraham, and I've mentioned this so many times, but Abraham had a look up. God showed him the night sky, and he said, Abraham, you know, you're old, your wife's old, and your desire is for children. And I'm going to tell you, here's my hope. You can have children as many children as the stars of the sky. And so God painted a picture for Abraham to look at and to cling to as he was going through the tough time. Because right after that, there wasn't any child right after that, right? There was still some time before Abraham and Sarah had any children. But that picture of the stars, the picture of the sand, really gave Abraham something to cling to. God wants to give you something to cling to, a pinprick of light to cling to. Because remember, once the spirit is given up, no doctor in the world can pull you out of that. Once you become hopeless, it's very hard to get out of that cycle. So principle number six, God will always provide a picture of hope when we are in our valley. Principle number seven, people do matter in our valleys. People are important. Once again, in the interview that I did today with the gentleman, and it's almost like every interview I do, People are mentioning the power of others, the, the need for others. No man is an island. We need others when we are in our valleys. The little things that people do matter and strengthen us. People who send a message, oh, we're praying, we're praying for you, we're praying for you. And be it that they're praying for you or not, just that little message says, you know what, I'm at least thinking about you. Prayer doesn't have to be sitting there for hours and hours on your knees praying. A prayer could be offered right as that person is typing that. I take that. And we need those those little messages. When you're going through a hard time, when you're going through a tough time, we need those little encouragements from people. The church is not the building. The church is the people. Remember that. I think we, in the 21st century, we're so used to going to a building and celebrating and having church. And that's great. Buildings are great. Buildings are nice. But that's not the church. The church is the people. And Chad gave a beautiful story of his wife standing in a grocery line and how the person behind him had asked, you know, is everything okay? And she had shared a story about her husband going through chemo. And the lady just said, yeah, yes, has $20 doesn't sound like a lot of money, but that encouraged his wife so much. And that's a person, be it that they were Christian or not, I don't know, but they reached out. They touched somebody they didn't know. Don't be afraid to talk to people. Be open in what you're going through. People aren't going to be able to help or know you're going through things unless you open up and tell them. Don't be afraid to be a little transparent at times. As I've been interviewing with these stories and I've been getting feedback from people, one of the things that keeps coming back is that people love transparency. They love it that there's no show, there's no mask, there's no cover-up, that people are just being real, real with the issues they face, real with the things that they're going through. We don't need another Hollywood. We don't need another a show. In life, we need people who are real, that are willing to drop their masks. It takes strength 
to drop your mask. It takes courage to be open and to talk about your problems. And not only can you be healed in that process, but by talking to others, you are giving them hope and strength and helping them in more ways than you know. So don't be afraid to talk to people. Let them be part of what you're going through. Allow them to share the journey with you. You cannot run this journey alone. You cannot walk this journey alone. You need others, not only your family, but friends and people. Allow them to go through this journey with you to help you through your valley. This was so pertinent that what Chad shared, he said, you keep pushing people away, they will get tired of being pushed away and they won't come back. They won't offer their help again. People always wonder why in the world is these people, you know, stopped asking how I am or, you know, nobody cares for me. It's because we've pushed them away so many times. We've said, no, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing wrong with me. We, we use little statements. It was interesting. The other night I was, I'd asked my daughter, uh, actually it was in the morning. I said to my youngest, I said to her, how did you sleep? Oh, I slept fine. And my wife was sitting there and she turned to my daughter and she said, don't lie. You just told me how bad your night was. You weren't fear. You, the dogs had woken you up. The storm had woken you up. You hadn't slept and now your stomach's sore. And you just told your daddy that you slept fine. You were great. But she said to my wife, well, yeah, I'm just giving him an answer. And my wife, with a lot of wisdom, said, you know, that's the line. If you didn't feel well, let people know. I think we're so used to, we get into such a habit when somebody says, how are you doing? Just say, yeah, I'm great. And you're not great. Now, I'm not saying unload. Well, you know, this happened and that happened. But once again, people value transparency. How are you doing? Well, going through some tough times. And then you can bring a positive if, if it's true. And that, you know, I'm trusting the Lord to get me through. And allow, allow people to have at least a little peek behind your mask. Because if we keep wearing masks, when we really need people, they're not going to be there because they're going to be tired of being pushed away all the time. Grab the olive branch handed to you. I believe with all my heart that God moves through people. Their hands become His hands. Their voice of encouragement becomes His voice of encouragement. Remember, when you are open to receiving, more people are going to be open to giving to you. When you become open to receive from others, people are going to be more willing to give. There's a principle in that. It's better to give than receive, absolutely. But there are times that we need to receive. We need to learn to receive. As Christians, I think that's one of our biggest battles is just to learn to receive from God. It's always, we live in such a give, 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 give everything world. We give our energy, give our strength, give our finances, give all the stuff all the time. And God says, you know what? I am the giver. You are, we're built to be a receiver. I am the one that gives. You are the one to receive. And he wants to give us his grace, his mercy, his goodness. We need to learn how to become good receivers. And that is a whole nother story. But I wanted to just drop that in here. And it was with people as well. I want to repeat that when we are open to receiving, more people will become open to giving to us. And also remember this. 
You don't have to be strong all the time. It's okay to allow others to be strong for you. Sometimes we just need someone else to be us to be strong for us in situations. Sometimes we are feeling weak. Sometimes we are feeling tired. And it's not a shame. Once again, it's another area in Christianity that we we feel that we've got to be strong. And yet Paul, who had this thorn in his flesh, was saying to God, take this thorn, take this thorn. And And God said back to Paul, he said, Paul, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. Yes, even in your weakness, my grace is more than enough. Where you are weak, he is strong. And sometimes that strength comes in people. Sometimes he brings people to be strong for you in your weaknesses. It's not just an invisible God. He uses people to come in and help us in areas that we are feeling weak in. So number seven, people do matter. They do, they do, they do. They do matter in our valleys. Principle number eight, faith, perseverance, and others, the trifactor that will carry you through your valley. Faith, Believing that God has a plan, even in the darkest areas of life, to believe that God is going to come through for you. Do you trust him? Do you believe in him? Do you believe that he will get you through? Has he got you through in the past? If he's got you through in the past, he'll get through you through again. And as we believe, you know, God... You said you will supply all my needs according to your riches in glory. You've said not to worry if I take care of the birds and the flowers and all these things. Why in the world wouldn't I take care of my own, my children? If you're battling in the whole faith department, don't try and I've got to have faith. I got, you know, like George Michael song, if this is showing my age, you've got to have faith. I don't got to have faith. I've got to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't have, here's that thing again. I don't have the faith right now to get through this. I need your faith. Ask the Lord to give you supernatural. That's what faith means. The faith is from the Greek word pistos. And the Greek word pistos, that whenever you see faith in the Bible, you see that word pistos. What it means is it's an imparted faith. It's a, it's a faith that is being given. It is a faith that we have been granted by God. Not only is God going to help you through circumstances, he's going to provide you with the faith to believe in him if you ask. The scriptures say that you don't have because you don't ask. It's time to ask and and the Bible says God will give you in abundance more than you need. You need faith to get through? Ask God. Don't try and depend on your faith. The Bible says you only all you need is faith like a mustard seed. You know how little faith that is? All you need is faith to ask for faith. And let God provide your faith to get you through, to believe in him that he'll get you through. Perseverance. Perseverance in patience. You know, James, I've quoted the scripture many times. James uh, 1 verse 2, which says, Count it all joy, brethren, when we fall into these trials and these tribulations, for it's the testing of your faith that produces 
perseverance. God is strengthening. God is providing in those circumstances. And then he says, it's for your perseverance. It's for patience to be produced. Why do we need perseverance? What does perseverance do for us? It produces patience. And what does patience do? It has its perfect work. You want to be perfect? Allow patience. And then you need others. And I've already mentioned that in the number seven, we need others. So faith, perseverance, and others. This is going to what's going to carry you through your valleys. Number nine, open yourself to reaching out to others in need. This is so important. I say, hang on a second, isn't this about me? Yes, it's about you, but it's also about others. I believe that when we get our eyes off of our problems, God can get his hands on our problems. When we get our eyes and our hands off of our problems to reach out and to touch others and to help others, even though we are still in our own problems, you'll be amazed that God will move for you. God will work in your life as you are dealing and helping others. One of the best ways to get out of your valley is stop focusing on you, stop focusing on your valley and start focusing on those others that are walking in the valley. Help them when they fall. Be the positivity when those you love can't find the positive for themselves. When the people around you are not positive, you be their positive. I, I'm reminded of the story by the author Stephen Covey from his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He tells a story of a gentleman in a train station who was sitting in the train station and a father and about four or five, I'm not sure how many kids came into the train sta- into a subway station. I'm taking and This is probably one of the big cities. In fact, Stephen is talking about himself. He's the man. He was sitting in the subway reading a newspaper when his father comes down into the subway with these kids, sits down next to him and then lets the kids go wild. And the kids are running up and down the subway, knocking into people. They're just going absolutely crazy. And as Stephen is sitting there reading his newspaper, he's getting more and more irritated. In his mind, in his thoughts, he's thinking, why in the world is this father not disciplining his children? Why is this father not telling his children to behave? They are hooligans. They are running backwards and forwards and creating havoc in the train station. Finally, Stephen has had enough. He takes the newspaper, folds it up and turns to his father. And he says to the father, to the father, he says to this father, hey, I don't want to pry, but... I think that you might want to start controlling your kids. They're causing a little bit of havoc. And the father kind of looks up as if he was in some sort of daydream or stupor. And he goes, "Uh, yeah, I I, I guess you're right. It's just that I've, I've just come from the hospital. And my wife of 20 years has just passed away. And, and I don't know how to handle it. And I guess, I guess my boys don't know how to handle it either. And I I guess, yeah, I'd better tell them to behave. Well, Stephen had an immediate perception change. An immediate paradigm shift, if you understand paradigms. From someone who was irritated and annoyed by the behavior of children to suddenly feeling deep compassion for a father whose, whose wife, whose love of his life has just passed away, and children who have just lost a mother, who are acting out, but probably I don't know how to handle this 
news that they have received. You see, we can't see what's in people's hearts, why they act the way they do, why they're in a situ- the, the way they say things or do things. And we are quick to judge and get mad and angry. But we know that when we're in our valleys, when we're in our areas of deepest distress, that sometimes we don't act the way everybody expects us to act. Just like this father, just like these children, people around can judge and make statements without knowing the true facts of what's going on inside. And as this father, as I said earlier in this podcast, opened up and shared with Stephen, suddenly that sharing changed the situation. And Stephen says that he was able to serve this father and his family for a while and to help them in the situation they were in, reaching out for others' needs. And when we reach out to others' needs, sometimes we find that our problems aren't as big as we thought as we start to see other people's problems and issues and start to help them. Our problems don't seem as significant and as all-encompassing and as all-as-threatening and as all-as-terrible as as they felt in the beginning. Because I promise you, no matter how bad your problems are, someone always has the worst. And I know that's not the best of comfort But I do believe that as you reach out to others and help others, you are allowing God to start dealing with your problems because there is, you know, God has got a heart for everyone. He's got a heart for everybody and he's putting a heart, that heart in us as well. And when we become selfish and just so focused on us, God can't really work because we get so caught up in our issues and our problems. You see, don't wait for a disaster to make an impact with your life. Don't wait for disasters around for for those big things like this father's story to actually go and make an impact. You can start with people around you. You don't have to wait for major problems and issues. You can help with a friend. You can be positive for a friend who might be going through a little bit of a tough time. Be an impact now. Don't wait for the big things. Deal with the little things. When we focus on others, our mind shifts from our problems, as I've been saying, and we find that depression lifts and purpose returns. That's the most amazing thing. When we focus on others, we start to find purpose again. And when we're focusing on us, depression can so easily grab us. Be in the moment with people. Put down those phones and computers and look them in the eye and take notice and take interest in their lives. We are living in such an isolated society. And we now wonder we feel alone in our problems because everybody's more cared about what's happening on Facebook and on Twitter. And we don't know how to look in people's eyes anymore and to talk to them and to find out what they're going through and how can we be their strength at that time. So number nine, open yourself to reaching out to others in need. And finally, number 10, don't be afraid to live when you are alive. (laughs) Don't be afraid to live. Live life. Life is a gift. Jesus came to this planet, not just, yes, he came to die for our sins and he came to, to introduce us to his daddy, but he also came to give us life 
and freedom and life, not only life, a little life, life in abundance. Too many people are waiting for that to be raptured or to go up to heaven one day. And I hear, I've spoken to so many people where I hear, well, man, this life, this world is such a mess. I can't wait until Jesus comes again. That's sad, people. That is just sad. Jesus came and won this life for us to enjoy it, to thrive, to experience life. And yes, he said, there's going to be trouble in this world, but he wants us to enjoy this gift called life. Let's not live like rats in a rat race. Value the life you have and value those that have been given you as a gift to share this life with. Your family, your friends, these are gifts. They are fellow travelers on this journey. They are gifts for you to share this amazing journey with. Enjoy life with them. Enjoy this journey. There was a commercial on television that used to, when I was back in South Africa, and I'm not sure if it was here in America, but it was a car commercial, and it said, Life's a journey. Enjoy the ride. I believe God is all about the journey. Not always about the destination. Because the journey is the place where we can experience his goodness. It's the place where we can touch other people. It's a place where we can find our strengths and our weaknesses. We can find our dependence upon him. We can, we can find the little treasures that he leaves hidden. God, I think God sometimes looks, he, it's like, like as of dad, I love, you know, during Christmas or during Easter or diff different things, I love to surprise my kids with little presents and little things. Uh, even through the year, I love when I go on my journeys and I come back and I, I bring some little packages and, and I want them to, I want to surprise them. And I think daddy is so much more, daddy God is so much more than, than me as a father. And I think he wants to do that too. And life is part of his little hidden treasure hunts that he puts us on. He wants us to unpackage some little beautiful gifts and presents along the way. And we miss it when we start focusing more on the destination than on the journey. When we focus about getting to where we need to go. I don't know if you've ever been on long journeys in cars and in, a, in motor vehicles. I, I love to anyway. And I, my, my kids have got into this habit of watching the TV set or playing on their phones or and we, we have to keep reminding them, hey, there's so many beautiful things out there that we're passing. We go through different areas and they're more focused on on the, the televisions, little television screens in front of them than looking out the window and seeing the beauty that God has created. And we miss it. We miss the journey because we're so focused on the destination. How many of us have ever wished our way through school and later on looked back and gone, man, I, I could have enjoyed it so much more if I just enjoyed the little moments. So we've wished our way through university or we've wished our way through this job or we've wished our way through something else. And God's saying, stop wishing your life away. Start enjoying the little parts of the journey. Remember, you play a bigger part in your life, in your play than you think. You play a bigger part. You're not as insignificant sometimes as you might think you are. You play a bigger part. So I want to encourage you to start seeing your significance. Your significance is bigger than you think. People see you. They, they mean, you mean a lot to them. That's the biggest trick of the enemy when it comes to suicide is the lie 
to people that they're alone, that nobody cares, that it would be better off if they leave this planet. That's a lie. People don't see that they play a bigger part in their play than you think. So thank you for listening to this episode of the DLC. I thoroughly enjoyed Chad's interview. I hope you did too. What a powerful, what a powerful interview of a, of a young man, 35 years old, who discovers he has stage four cancer, going through it, fighting through that struggle, coming out the other side with a whole new perspective on life. And as I listened and as I interviewed Chad, I gained a whole new perspective on life as well. So God bless. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week. I will talk to you tomorrow when we get back on the DLC. I do have some amazing interviews coming up next week. I have not decided which one to play for you yet, but stay tuned because I will start telling you which ones that I will uh, do for you as we get closer to next week, Monday, because as you know, I launch my interviews Monday. I might have a surprise for you this week, later on this week. I did do a very short interview with a gentleman on one of my trips. God had told me to take my little recorder, my podcast recorder with me on one of my my speaking trips. And I didn't know why. And I realized why God connected me with a very short interview with a gentleman who had an amazing story. And because it's so short, it might be two episodes at most. I might play it this week. I might have a little bonus for you this week. This is incredible, powerful little interview that happened on the road while I was on one of my speaking trips. Someone had a fantastic story that got to share with me. So stay tuned for that. Once again, God bless you and have a wonderful week. Grace to you. Thank you for listening to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. For more information on other available teaching, please visit our website, at orenrudolph.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash orenrudolph.